Hi guys, this is Chris Lyons. I'm Daryl Sabon. Marcus Hudgay. David Lucas. I'm Glenn Lovens. I'm Daniel Pudil. And I love listening to the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wednesday Till I Die podcast. Uh, today, both myself and Jamie are joined by a former Owl who captained the side during the 2009-10 season. Uh, he played for Birmingham, West Brom, Cardiff and of course Wednesday, also we'll not be talking to him. Uh, and if Wikipedia is correct, another 15 clubs as well. Uh, we're joined by Darren Purse. Uh, you got around a bit, Darren, haven't you? Well, it makes me sound like I was a, uh, I had like 15 Premier League, uh, professional clubs, but <laughs> um, I, I was lucky enough at 37, I dropped down to non-league and carried on playing for another four years. So when you get down to that non-league level, it's it's a bit cutthroat, you know, cutting budgets and all that sort of stuff. And you just have to get on with things. And it's, I mean, I ended up having sort of seven or eight non-league clubs, but uh, it's, all, it's all about trying to play as many games as I could for, for as long as I can. And I was lucky enough to play till I was 41, which was nice. I was just about to say, was that, was that just purely for the love of, love of playing football? Yeah, but obviously I finished playing professionally. I got promoted at Port Vale. I went abroad and played over there for a few months for a, for a team that I played for twice, um, once at 17 and, and once at 36. So that was quite nice. Um, yeah, and then it was just t- 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 circumstances were, were that I um, I had to sort of obviously just play non-league football, enjoy playing non-league football and did it as they did it for four years, did a bit of assistant manager stuff as well, as well as playing. So it was a, it was a good introduction to, to obviously the coaching and management side of the game. And, uh, enjoyed every minute of it. Now I'm just going to jump straight into uh, when, when you when you signed for Sheffield Wednesday, uh, or perhaps just a little bit a little bit before. So, uh, you were at Cardiff, weren't you? And um, yeah. Dave Jones. I mean, I'm just lo- looking through like some of the uh, some of the people that you've played with and, and, and managed. There's quite a lot of ties with with Sheffield Wednesday, with you know, with former players and, and managers and stuff like that. Obviously, Dave Jones was. Um, was a you know has also been a former former manager of Sheffield Wednesday. Um, then Brian Laws brought you in um, at Sheffield Wednesday. Now, what what happened at, at Cardiff? With am I right in saying they were a bit of a spat with Dave Jones, and then it wasn't decide. really spat. Really, sort of, we had a bit of a to in and fro in for three and a half years. We got on brilliantly, you know. As I was his captain, um, played probably I think I played sort of 120, 130 games for Cardiff and. And um, everything was going well. And then for some reason, we had a little bit of a misunderstanding. Um, I don't know if he he was looking elsewhere and all of a sudden it was just an easy way to get me out of the club or I don't know. Was, yeah, we had a bit of a misunderstanding. It, it got into the papers where he was sort of having a pop at me. I had a pop back in the next day. And it, it should have been sorted out between the two of us in, in, in his office rather than rather than going public. But that's that's football sometimes. And you, you do what you think is right for yourself. But... Um, I, listen, I, I was still in touch with Dave. I think he's, he's a, he was a brilliant manager for me at Cardiff. You know, not probably didn't quite work out for him at, at Sheffield Wednesday and Hartlepool, the clubs he's been at since. But what he did early on in his career at Wolves and, and, and Cardiff, fantastic. So a lot of people said to me about him. Just reminded me then when you said he was a good manager for you because we spoke to a few players. In, <clears throat> on the, I don't know if you've seen him. We spoke to him on podcast before, but we spoke to a few players that have played for Wednesday under under Jones and things like that. We've had we've had say, Chris Lines who said. He weren't. He were. He were never on pitch. He were never anywhere near it. He used to just sit in his office and not do much. And then we've had other players that say he was a very good man manager or whatever. So, what, what did you like? Did you prefer a coach or a manager like that? No, he, he was. He was an out and out manager. He, he used to stand on the side and watch training. We had. Um, we had a lad called Terry Burton did all the coaching. He was a very very good coach. 
Um, obviously involved at Arsenal and that sort of stuff. Yeah, but he, his recruitment was excellent. You know, some of the players he brought in at Cardiff, and I can only talk about the time at Cardiff because that's obviously you got players like Michael Chopra and Steve McFowl and Roger Johnson and, and it's obviously Glenn Leuvens as well. He's a big, obviously, yeah. somebody you know quite well. Um, he, his recruitment was fantastic, um, and, to, and, and he, he deserves a lot of credit for that. And his man management style was strange as well. Sort of at times, I would go on a preseason tour, and he'd be he'd be sort of he'd sort of have that them and us mentality. So he'd have his staff members, and it sort of pit us like the players against them a little bit. And it, it was a great analogy because it sort of got the players so close together. Um, and it worked out fantastic. He's, I, I've got nothing for praise for me. I think he's a, he was a fantastic manager for me. Um, yeah, and he uh, did as much as it sort of petered out towards the end. I, I, I nearly went to Norwich in the January under Brian Gunn, um, and it, I think he brought in Mark Hudson at, at, at Cardiff, um, and it didn't quite go through in the January. So obviously, I knew I was going to be a free transfer at the end of the season, and hence when the um, the Sheffield Wednesday deal come up and. As soon as I knew they were interested, it was a, it, it, it was sort of cut and dried that I wanted to go there. Yeah, so obviously I say it was Brian Laws, weren't it, that that, that brought brought you in? Can you remember obviously when when you got that phone call? Yeah, like, listen, the hardest thing about it was I I half had an inkling that was that Sheffield Wednesday were interested before the last game of the season. You know, because I think uh, do you know it, it was straight because I I hadn't played for the last probably 10, 12 games of the season, and Cardiff were really stuttering. Um, they, they got beat 6-0 at Preston and then that was the result that cost Cardiff the playoffs, you know, because if they got beat 5-0 by Preston and Preston would have missed out on goal difference because they won 6-0. Oh, God. Preston got in on the last game of the season. Um, and we needed to go to Sheffield Wednesday and get a point. I hadn't played probably the last 10, 12 games of the season because I was out of favour. Um, and for some reason or another, he, he pulled me in on the Thursday. He said, Percy, I need you for the weekend. It's a massive game. I need you to be out there and I need you to be that person and and it, it was strange because I knew that the move was going but it never it never sort of wavered my commitment to Cardiff City on that day you know it was um, I, I went out there I tried the best I could and in the end we got beat by a Jermaine Johnson Weldy from 25 yards into the top corner you know and sometimes you just have to hold your hand it, it, it wasn't to be so that was my last game for Cardiff but I knew I was moving to Sheffield Wednesday and I was, I was just really looking forward to, to that next chapter in my career so, Darren, what happens with someone like that? You know, like you've just said there, you've got to be professional. So, you, so that you know that you're going to Wednesday, but Wednesday you're going for the playoffs as well as Cardiff in, the, in that I, game. I don't, I don't think Sheffield. I don't think Sheffield Wednesday were going for for, for no, the we playoffs. We, we'll be they, we'll be they, table. They, Rogers, listen, if they were, uh, if they were, listen, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have played the best for Cardiff City. Simple and the same as if I'd have gone to Sheffield Wednesday, I'd I'd have, I'd have done the same for them. I, I think you've got to do and you've got to have that that sort of honesty about that as a footballer, as a captain, as a as a person, really. You know, and as much as football's a, football's a brutal business at times, you know, and oh, it, yeah, you, recently, can, you, you can sort of really struggle with it. But football has been brilliant for me and, 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 and I'll always say I would always try my best for whatever football club. It, you look at it as a from a management point of view or assistant managers, when a manager gets a sack and the assistant takes it on a caretaker basis, they know they've probably got two or three games and then there's every chance they could be getting the sack as well. You know, so it, it, I think if you're involved in football, you've just got to try your best for for, for whoever you play for, whoever, whoever shirt you're pulling on, you do your best for them and, 
like I said, I, I did that day for Cardiff. Unfortunately, he was on the wrong wrong end of it. But the same was with Sheffield Wednesday. I can honestly say every time I I put my shirt, the, the Sheffield Wednesday shirt on, I wore it with pride. I tried my best. Sometimes my best wasn't good enough. And it was probably the most, most of the time at Sheffield Wednesday, it wasn't wasn't my best of times as a, as a player or a captain. And and I, I get a lot of stick for it from Sheffield Wednesday fans. But that's life at the end of the day. I, I, I can honestly say every time I cross that white line, I give my best. And sometimes it was good enough. Sometimes it wasn't. We spoke about this before. We always speak to players that come on about ex-players or managers about stick and all this. And I went, we'll talk about the Palace game a bit later on. You'll know, remember the big Palace game, yeah. what we played. But I can't ever remember you getting loads of stick. I, re- I Personally, I can't. Like I really, really can't. And you always tried your hardest. I can remember that like from going and watching you. Even like always, there's always a minority that that probably yeah. get. The, there's a minority that probably get the the, the the stick in your mind, if you know what I mean. Over the majority, you always you always look on the negatives rather than positives, you know. But it, it's just, and I've said it before on, on other. There's just something wasn't quite right within the dressing room at Sheffield Wednesday, you know. And I I, I look back on it now and. Maybe sort of from a manager, but maybe I should have said something, stuck up for it a little bit more. But you get involved in the dressing room, you think everything's hunky dory and everything's really going along okay, and it wasn't. You know, it, 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 we never had that. We never had that togetherness within the within the squad. You know, and I, I, I'm not going to go and mention names or anything like that. But Francis Jeffers. Well, <laughs> but obviously, Franny was around. Listen, Franny was a great player. No, I, I played against him a few times and and, and really good. And it did some good. Well, obviously, you're looking at him from the Sheffield Wednesday point of view. I played against him when he was at Arsenal and up and coming. I thought he was fantastic. Um, and and it, but it wasn't just it wasn't just one player. There was there was a few in there. Just attitudes weren't quite right. Um, and as I said, I, I wish if I had my time again, I'd have got in there, ruffled a few feathers, maybe. Yeah. Uh, said a few home truths, but I think you walk into a dressing room, you try and sort of blend in a little, not saying blend in, but you try and fit into it. Um, and I think maybe that dressing room that I walked into when I, when I, that first day wasn't a dressing room to blend in. It was a dressing room there where maybe a few things needed to be said to a few people and, and we may have stayed up that season, but it was, um, it was, di- it was disappointing. I look back at it now and I would have done it differently, but obviously hindsight. No, I mean, you just you just said about it there. I mean, when, when you came into Sheffield Wednesday, what did you think of the squad at the time? Because, I mean, when you, when you look at it, it, we shouldn't have been in the, the problems that we were in. We should be, really. I understand that you look at the squad paper, we had we had a bit of you know, grit, determination through the middle of the park. We feel like James O'Connor in there. Maybe not the, <laughs> the best technically as a footballer, but you knew you knew what he was going to get from Ginge every, every day of the, every game you played. You know, but there was some quality. JJ on his day was is the well beaten. You know, you can see him going and playing in the Premier League at this moment in time. But it was it was just his consistency levels was probably why he was playing Wednesday at the time. So yeah, we had some good quality players. But as I said, the, the attitude, the work ethic, the the togetherness just wasn't there. And I've, I've I've been lucky enough over my career to play in some really good teams that got promoted and and had some really good times and overachieved at times through a togetherness, you know, and, and that's what was missing it, uh, at Wednesday that year. Yeah, I mean, one um, one player that, that sticks out in my mind from that from that side was, was Lee Grant. I thought he was an, you know, an excellent goalkeeper. I mean, as a defender, is it key to have confidence in your, in your goalkeeper? Yeah, listen, Grant, he was a fantastic goalkeeper, you know, he should have played higher. You look at him now where he is, you know, sitting on the bench at Man United and 
and um, and doing really well. And he'll go on, and I think he'll have a, a, a good career as a coach. You could see him going into in being Man United's goalkeeping coach or something like that. You look at Richard Wright at Man City and where he's progressed from from what he did at uh, um, at Man City, sitting on the bench. So yeah, Grant was a great goalkeeper. Yeah. And, and look at people like Tommy Spur. I think Tommy went on and had a good career, but probably should have had a better career than what he had with with the ability that he had. I thought he was an excellent left back. We spoke to Tommy Spur last last week and. Um, one thing we didn't ask about with that Palace game because with him, when it, when it comes to you, we, as uh, again we'll get on to it. We that goal what you scored that game. I can always remember you clearing it offline that last that mental last when when obviously would it would it Sterling John or something Sterling, Sterling John or something went one on one and then you cleared yeah. it offline. Then before yeah. we had that other before we had that chance for Jeffers or whatever. But anyway, yeah. that that was like the main thing I remember with you at the ground and scoring that goal. But with Tommy, it was more scoring against Sheffield United and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we spoke to him more about that, and he's gone into sports science now. And he was saying sort of same thing. He felt a bit pushed out on Wednesday, and then when he was pushed out, he went to Preston, uh, went to Doncaster, had a really good time there, felt really loved and whatever, and it kicked his career on again. But he, he didn't reach his potential, like basically what you're saying now. Yeah, I, I said I thought he, I thought he was an exceptional left back. You know, he had every, all the attributes to go and probably play in the Premier League at the highest level. Um, but uh, just getting quite. He had listen. He had a very good career. I'm not. I'm not just that. Mark Beavers was another one. I thought Beavers yeah. was a half. Oh, you know, and probably hasn't played at the, the to the to the level what you'd expect him as a as a young lad coming through. So yeah, there, there was some great. Darren Potter was another one. You know, a lot of people the, have said that. A lot of people uh, have mentioned Potter. Neil Mellor mentioned him last week. I look at him from a technical point of view and. I played like with people like Stephen McFowl and, and players like that. He was, he was definitely up there with them. And I, I know when he went to MK Dons, I, I used to nip in and do a bit of pre-season with him because I knew the manager, Carl Robinson, quite well. And um, and even then, they raved about him at MK Dons. But Carl Robinson loved him as a footballer. And I think sometimes you just, you've, you've got to fit in with um, yeah. with everything, that, that, with, with the, the squad that's there and, and I think sometimes things didn't quite fit. And as you said, on paper, that squad shouldn't have got relegated. But um, at the end of the day, you've got to go out there for 46 games a season and we never. Yeah, so when, when you talk about players here then, um, you know, some some of the players you mentioned, you've said like have perhaps not the you know, best technically gifted. But I suppose when, when you're playing with these players and training with these these players like all the time, you want those people to, you know, to be determined and to, to put the effort in, don't you? Really, like not just have the technical ability. You want them to, you know, to put a shift in. Yeah, but I, I don't think you can ever look, walk onto that football pitch and, and say that Darren Potter never put a shift in, or or Francis Jeffers even. You know, I think every time Franny played for Sheffield Wednesday when I was there, you couldn't say that he weren't running around and working hard, and you know, and, and sometimes you. And I don't think I've ever I've ever bumped into a footballer really that has walked on the pitch and thought, you know what, I can't be bothered today. I ain't going to go out and run. People do, but sometimes it doesn't quite work out for them for for one reason or another. So it, it's hard. And so yeah, there are people that that need that little that they need that edge to their game. And I was always like that. I needed that edge to my game. I needed to be on it all the all the time. If I wasn't, if I wasn't hundred percent committed to that game or hundred percent ready for the game then I was a poor footballer. You know, and I think O'Connor would probably be another one of them. If he didn't go out and run 12k every game and, and make 20 tackles, then he, he the rest of his side of his game wasn't there, you know. So there's there's different sides to, to to people. And some like Jermaine Johnson probably had to be that relaxed person in possession of the ball. And that's what made him as he was. You know, he could 
he could go and lose the ball five times, but the sixth time would be the one where he goes and bends it in the top corner and everybody goes, wow, that was unreal, and forgets the five other times. Yeah. You know, but then yeah. another, on another day, everybody remembers the five other times because he hasn't been in the top corner. So there, there's, there's always that, that sort of differentiation between players and when they walk on the pitch and, and how they... Uh, what we said to a lot of players, Darren, like you've just said there, said to talking to a lot in past, like for example, if you're a joiner and you're working on site and you just you put, I don't know, you put you put an inch wrong in a door or whatever, it's no problem throw it away and make another one sort of thing. But when you're a professional footballer, everything's picked up on it. When you make a mistake, that's it, it's on TV, it's everyone's seen it, it's replaying. And what what people don't know is that if you're a joiner, you haven't got somebody else the other side of the door moving the door about trying to stop you putting the joint in. <laughs> you know, when you're a footballer, you've got 11 other players that are trying to do exactly the same and stopping yeah. you from what you want to do. You I know, think Tommy said it's split instinct. He said it's a split instinct decision. He said it's just like, bang, you've got to make a decision like on the yeah. spot, like what you do. Yeah, and the, the more decisions, like I say to the youngsters, our coach, the more decisions or the better decisions you make on the ball, more of the time, the better footballer you are. You know, you keep making the same mistake over and over again. You're never going to learn and you're going to be a poor footballer. And that's just the way of the world. You know, so, yeah, and that is it. It is literally that split second. When that cross comes in the box, it's like millimetres. It will come off one side yeah. of your head or one side of the head. It'll either go on, a shot on target, or it'll end up going out for a goal kick. And it, it's or or if, you, if you play Middlesbrough, if you play Middlesbrough, it'll come off your head and go back at night, won't it? And then on goal. There you go. But listen, I'll always say, right, and this is similar to the J- Jermaine Johnson thing, right? You'll get in that position 99 times out of 100 and you'll clear the ball. The one time you get it wrong you'll get, and you score an own goal, you get punished for it. But I don't yeah. remember 99 times you was in that position and you cleared it up. Yeah, you've you got to get, though, that own goal were, were a quality goal, weren't it? I, do you know what? I can't remember. I scored that many own goals in my career. I can't <laughs> I sort of put it to the back of my mind and, and get on with the next one. Can we talk about the Palace one where I did score? Yeah. <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say that, Darren. I was just about to say, for everyone listening as well, like, everyone listening knows I had a missus and it's not to do with being gay or all like that, but you look brilliant. Like, your hair is unreal. Like, the fans listening now won't expect to see what I'm seeing. You look great, good. There's no bald head, everyone. Like, there's loads of hair. But anyway, when you were against Palace, coming out, like, I'd say, I would say, and I think James will agree with me here, apart from the game where even, I think they were bigger atmosphere than when we played United in any game I've seen against Sheffield United. So, apart from when we played Wickham at home to get promoted that season, where there were 38,000 there then, it's the only other time I've been at Ellsbury with 38,000 where the atmosphere is, it, I can't I can't ever, ever describe an atmosphere like it from the first whistle yeah. to the last even half time. Like, Darren, is that, would you say that is the like, most brutal, biggest Huge, whatever atmosphere you've ever played in, like honestly, or I, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say it's the most brutal atmosphere I've played. As I've played in some sort of real dive, like Sheffield United, Sheffield Wednesday derbies. I've played in them, Cardiff, Birmingham Villa, Cardiff Swans. I've played in some real yeah. good derbies. You know? Obviously, lucky enough to play in front of eighty thousand in cup finals as well. So I wouldn't say it was yeah. the, the atmosphere I've played in. But what I will say on that angle. When I walked into Sheffield Wednesday Football Club, I never realised how massive a football club it is. And to this day, it's the be- it's the biggest football club I've played for. You know, it's bigger than Burnley and Cardiff City from from a from a sort of logistical point of view, fans and all that. It's it's the biggest club. Just the, the infrastructure of it is huge. You know, and, and sometimes you have to be in it to realise that. You know, and I, 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 as I said, I played for Birmingham Cardiff and. I, I, 
to, to this day, I think them two sets of fans are, are, are unreal. And Sheffield Wednesday are up there with them. But I'd, I'd have to say that Birmingham, Cardiff, are maybe that. But probably because I had a better time and I spent longer at them two clubs, you know. But yeah. from, from an actual infrastructure point of view, Car uh, Sheffield Wednesday is an unreal football club. And it's got the most potential out of any club I've played for. What, what was it like then going into that game against against Crystal Palace in that in that run up to it? Then what was the feeling like in the dressing room? Did you feel like you were going to win? Or I, 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 I think every player walked into the into that game and thought we were going to win the game. You know, and I think the worst thing about it was I think Crystal Palace needed to win the game to stay up as well, didn't they? They was yeah yeah, yeah. they needed to draw yeah they needed a point out of the game or something or we needed to win didn't we? And they needed a point to. Yeah. So that was probably the hardest. I think if we'd have come up against any other team that wasn't playing for anything or didn't, it, I think we'd have been okay. You know, but yeah. because we were playing against them and they needed a point from the game as well, I think the way it panned out and the way the game developed, it was always going to be Crystal Palace's to to lose, if you know what I mean. But Darren, can you remember that cleaving off the line? I could, yeah, I can remember it. I can remember. I remember scoring as well the, the goal because. I remember being at the back and Grantley, I think there was only a couple of minutes left and we was 2-1 down and Lee Grant was going, Percy, get up there. Yeah. And I ended up just going, sneaking around the back and it kind of flicked on and sort of at the back post. But I had no intention of going up for some reason. I was the one that stayed back and because we was pressing on to try and obviously get something from the game or trying to win the game, I ended up sneaking in and, and, and scoring. And I think we might have had a, another chance. I can't remember, like towards the end of it. Francis Jeffers, I've, I've just watched it back on Darren, honestly, and it, it weren't only that, it was, it was the last last kick of game. Mike Dean were refereeing, Wednesday have got a corner, everybody's going up, and last, for the last kick of game, and he blows his whistle and runs off going like that, like, time's up, and, and I, can, I can just remember thinking, why not just let us take that corner? I've always wanted to see what would have happened if we couldn't fill that corner. Right, as I said, I think we all, we all walked on the pitch thinking we was going to win the game, or expecting to win the game. It's just obviously fine margins in football and as you said it's, 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 it's them little them little inches that are, are, are the make or break for you but you don't get relegated on, on one game we got relegated exactly so, and exactly we should have picked up some points uh, uh, further further down the way and it would have been over and done with but um, yeah disappointing when you scored that goal to make it 2-2 would you would you, would you think that's like just from not from Millennium Stadium or Wembley or like would you say that's the loudest you've ever heard a goal cheered because I can remember it being mental you know what? So look at you when you walk out of Hillsborough. It's, it's such a an amazing stadium. You know, it's, it's it's not like these new ones where everything's all sort of round and symmetrical. You walk out and you have got stands everywhere. You know, you look at over <laughs> like the, the the stands in the corner. And I think that day as well, obviously, as you walk out, I can't remember to the left hand side in that far corner, that far left hand corner. That yeah. was awful as well, which was like unheard of. <laughs> I'd never I've, even for the Sheffield Derby. Like, They'd, feel that they'd sold it and I think sort of got to the Thursday and I thought well let's open that let's get a few more thousand in so it, it, was, it wasn't unreal and I think that, that for, for any sort of like bog standard league game if you can call that a bog standard league game that was probably the best atmosphere I've had for, for a Saturday afternoon Yeah I mean when you during your career obviously let's say you played for a few different teams what, what's it like when you play your former clubs what, what's the feeling like is it is it something where you've like Prove yourself, or what? You know, what's it like going into them games? Yeah, I think you always got to go out and prove yourself, especially obviously when I would, I went back to Cardiff. I think for sure, I think we got beat five 0 but down at Cardiff, <laughs> gutted that day. You know? Um, so yeah, you always want to go out and prove yourself. Always want to go out and do well. 
obviously sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes people have got a knack of scoring against their old clubs and that never really worked out for me. I was always, I was, I was never one to, to score too many goals. But yeah, you, you want to go, you want to go and prove you do, as much as anything, you do go and try that that little bit harder when you are playing against your former clubs. And sometimes that works to, to the negative, you know, you end up in positions you should never be and you end up getting punished for it. So, yeah, you, you, everybody wants to come beat their old teams. And, Darren, I was going to say, as for derbies, so me personally, I've been to Indian Park when Cardiff used to be in Indian Park. And that, that's when it, to me, that's to me when it was a proper football ground, when it were all like you say, there's not, it's not a circle and all this, and it's all back, like you're all all in a way end, and it's just a right, you're right next to pitch. And I remember being intimidated, sort of thing, but when I went to Indian Park by own fans and you look at all these clubs like Tottenham when it used to be, um, when Tottenham, I just forgot Tottenham's old ground again off the top of my head now. Same ground, White Hart Lane. Yeah, Lane, when it was proper White Hart Lane and then West Ham when it was Park and not this, all these old ground sort of thing. That's what it used to be like. There used to be little fortresses, if you know what I mean. But like going on the derbies, <clears throat> would you say Cardiff and Swansea were the most ruthless? Would you say Wednesday United, Birmingham Villa? Like there's no wrong way what Nancy has said, but like, I got honest opinion. What, how, what were the biggest, what were the most? If, if, I, if I was to say it, I think I'd say Birmingham Villa, if I was to put them in order, yeah. you know, um, just because I think there was probably 15, 20 years before that first one, you know, when Enkelman let it run underneath his foot. I don't know if anybody would remember that. Yeah, but yeah, and, that's, was, and, that, and that fan was, ran on pitch. Yeah, it was just such a big build-up to it. It was in the Premier League, you know, and, and, and I think that's why it was probably the biggest for me, because of the occasion and, and the league that it was in. But that doesn't take anything away from obviously Cardiff Swansea or Sheffield Wednesday and, and Sheffield United, you know. That all every derby you play, and even like Plymouth Exeter when I played in that, was it it's a huge, huge game. The fans are, are so up for it, you know. And you walk around the like the towns or the cities leading up to it, and everybody's just so buzzing and so up for the game. But I've probably been, if you look on my career, I've probably been lucky enough to play for. I'd say probably four of the top sets of fans, even five if you bring Plymouth into it, but like Millwall, Cardiff, Sheffield Wednesday and Birmingham, you know, four sets of fans have been the top 10 sets of fans of anybody, you know, yeah. and atmosphere yeah. games and clubs, you know, just because that all the fans, they, they just live and die at a football club, you know, and yeah. everything's building up to three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. So from that point of view, if I look back on my career, I'm just fortunate enough that I've played for some fantastic football clubs with some unreal fans. Talking about the uh, the derby, when I were looking at, you know, when we were typing Darren Purse, looking at some various pictures, there's, there's a picture when we played oh, United yeah. of Cresswell and his oh. heads blood yeah. every, everywhere. Can, can you remember that? I, I didn't actually do it. I don't know who actually did it. But he's looking at me and pointing <laughs> to his head. I didn't do it to you. It wasn't me. You know what I mean? But yes, um, <laughs> I've been asked that question quite a few times, and I've had many a many a sort of a, a, a competition or many a, a challenge with a few players. But yeah, sort of give give a few people a bloody nose or a cut eye. That's that's football. But that wasn't actually me that did that. But it's, it's quite a good photo to look back on. Derby you know, <laughs> game as well. It's, uh, just it just proves the cut and thunder of uh, of, of the games you're playing. So I'm going to say Millwall. What were that like? You just, I just, you just mentioned Millwall and Darren. What were the fans? Everyone knows their reputation and what they're like and whatever. And what was it? What was it like for them? Like on a on a realistic level, what was it like playing at home with them? Were they as bad as it, as it said with people? And 
Listen, I'm, I'm a Millwall fan. I grew up at the old, I grew up going to the old den on a on a Saturday afternoon to watch. Millwall. You did you, you did yourself? Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm a Millwall. I used to stand on the old on, on the halfway line at Coldblow Lane. So, so yeah, so Milan Manovic came in. I'd I'd played 28 games that year. Alan Irving was the manager, and I think I think about a week later, Alan Irving got the sack, and Gary Megson came in. And I remember Meg yeah. ringing me, Percy, what are you left for? You, I, just, I wanted you to stay. Because I, I played with Gary Megs and I loved him. He, what a character he is. But, we'll come <laughs> to him. but um, so Milan Mandovic, he, yeah, he called me and he said, Percy, I love you, man. I love the way you play, but you're not playing 30 <laughs> games for my club. And that was it. <laughs> uh, uh, Cancel your contract, go and find another club. And that was sort of a couple of days before the end of the January transfer window. So. We're literally as, as, as blunt as that as well. But that's that's football. I, I, I never I never took anything personally about, about things. You know, just say, fair play. Thanks for thanks for being up front. I'll move on. You know, and then that's I, what every player says. They just want to be told. They just want, want to be told. I, I, I'm open. I, I want to go into management. You know, and that's where I want. But just be honest with players. You know, whether or not, whether or not you're there, yeah. Is your cup of tea or not? All I would say as well is never ever put a player out in the uh, sort of cast them off. Never say you're training with the 18s because at some stage you yep. need that player for something, you know. And all you do is you pull him in and say, Look, you've been out in the cold, right? I, I need you, you know, I need you to go and do a shift for me. And any player in their right mind would say, Do you know what, Gaffer? I'll roll my sleeves up for you, I'll go out and put a shift in for you. And that's all you can ever ask from any footballer. So, from that point of view, I mean, you just got to be honest with players. So yeah, so he, he was honest, honest with me, and literally two days later, I'd, I'd signed for Millwall and and, um, and and played for played for him on the uh, against Leicester away. So, and for me as a as a as a Millwall fan, the same as any Sheffield Wednesday fan, my, my dad had probably, my dad followed my career everywhere, and out of the probably seven hundred professional games I played, he watched six hundred and ninety eight of them. You know, he probably only missed a couple, and. Um, for me to go and play for Millwall and, and my dad's go and watch me week in, week out play for for, for his boyhood club and my boyhood club was a was a dream come true. I just wish I wish I'd done it at, at an earlier age and probably at the peak of my career rather than at the tail end of my career. Now you just touched on um, Gary Megson. Like we, we've spoken again, spoken to quite a lot of players that's played under him, but you know people that played with him as well uh, when he were a player. Go on, what, what was your take on, on, I, on I, 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 he was my kind of manager Gary and you know he's one of, you knew exactly where you stood with him um, and obviously when I went when I signed at West Brom with him he obviously bought me from from, from Birmingham he, he made me captain pretty much straight away which was brilliant for me you know and we, obviously we had, in that squad we had people like Moro you know and obviously I I, I, yes. I, 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 I texted him this morning to be fair just to see if he's all right with obviously with um, with how he's feeling and he, he's he's getting better, which is nice. But um, what I, and I hope he goes on and, and does really well for the club. So I think he's a fan. Yeah. He's one of the nicest people we ever meet in football. Seems it. It seems it. He you really know, does. When it, when he first came to the club, he, he made a point of going round everyone in the in the training ground, even you know car park man, oh, tea lady, everyone, and, and actually personally like you know met them and, and oh, got to yeah. know who they are. And that and that's the man that he is, you know. Listen, he's got a, he's got another side that you don't want to get on the wrong side of him. And <laughs> if, if, if if you do something right, or if you don't do what he's is expected, he'll let you know. He was the sort of manager that I I used to I buzzed off, if you know what I mean, and. um 
I remember, I remember a little story about West Brom with him. I remember at half time he came in. It was one nil down against Formula I was on a Sheffield Wednesday podcast, but this is what Gary Megson was like. And he, at half time, he's came in and absolutely tore into me. Like, Percy, you next year, I'm going to have it. This is rubbish. Just like literally. And for 10 minutes, we were just going back and forward at each other. All right. Second half, we've gone in. I've gone in for a tackle with Papa Bavidiot, went straight through it, straight through him. And that was it. We ended up going on to win the game 2 1. So after the game, he's pulled me into his office. He went, Percy, he said, I'm really sorry. He said, but I needed to pick someone. It was 1 0 down. We was, I needed to pick someone to have a go out. And I knew you'd come back at me. All right. So and that was it. And he said, he said, the reason I've done that, he said, two minutes into the game, you've gone smashing through and all of a sudden everybody's bang up for it again and we won the game so he said for me it was like brilliant that, that, that we had that sort of relationship where he could have a me out of him and it was done and dusted so um, yeah no, yeah he did and to put, what he was like on the sidelines was pretty much what he was like every training session everything he'd be out there he'd be screaming at everybody because he knew he knew what his expectations were, and if he didn't get to them expectations, he'd let you know about it. So, yeah, I've I, I got a lot of time for going with him. And just going on to some other uh, moments in your in your career as well. Uh, I know you, you spoke already spoke about a few already, um, but you, you mentioned that you went to I, I can't pronounce the the team name in Finland. Yeah, Finland. I, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean, how did that all come about? It just seems really bizarre. Well, when I was, when I was, I'd maybe debut as a 17 year old at Orient. I, um, I, I was I, during the close season, basically, they said, look, rather than I maybe debut in the February, I played about 10, 12 games leading up to the summer. And they said, rather than taking six weeks off, not doing anything, we're going to send you away to go to Finland and go and play for two months over there. So when I came back, I was ready, I was fit, and I was ready to start the season. So I went out and played at, uh, uh, for a club called uh, Barza up in the north of Finland. I kept in touch with a couple of people out there, a couple of friends that I knew um, and, and kept in touch with them over the years. And when I'd finished at Port Bell, obviously, Nicky Adams called me and said that that was it. We, we just got promoted. I was 36. He said, you're getting too old, Percy. Um, it's time to retire. I weren't ready to retire. So um, I got a phone call off the chairman who was a friend who, who was a chairman of this other club. He went, look, Percy, we're, we're trying to get in the Europa League. Um, do you fancy coming out for the last three months of the season? And obviously seeing if we can get in the Europa League. We're, I think there was six points off at the time. He said the club's never never qualified for the Europa League before. Um, it was just a good opportunity. I went, yeah, no worries. So I flew out there and met up with everybody. Um, and to be fair, it was brilliant because I was playing and of an evening, because there was nothing to do, it's a lot. If anybody's ever got anything they want to do and want to go away for the weekend, go to this place, Mariham, Orland Island, in between Finland and Sweden. It's the loveliest place you will ever see. It's so idyllic, sort of the, the surroundings and that. Nice that. But there's nothing to do. So of an evening, I was sort of training in the morning I was coaching in the evening I was coaching like the under 18s team over there of an evening so it sort of started my coaching journey a little bit from that point of view you know and coaching them for games and, and things like that so I went out there for three months we ended up missing out by a point for the Europa League um, and came back and that was that and that was that but it's um, I still go I, I go out there pretty much every year with a few of my mates they, they have a rock off weekend in July so we go out and have a good weekend on the bevy and it's, it's just a brilliant place we love it out there What's the place called, Darren? Uh, Mariham is the place. 
Um, and I'm going to write it down right now. And it's the all and if you're going away with uh, with a few of the lads, it's not that sort of place. Apart from one weekend of the year, and that's the Rock Off Festival weekend. And it's like basically right. Finland, Sweden go there, and it's unreal. It's in July. The weather's superb. Um, but yeah, it's Mari Harm. It's right. Dorland Island. So if anybody ever fancies it, it's a great place to visit. Real. Now, right. one of the one of the other managers uh, that you obviously played under at Sheffield Wednesday, we already already mentioned him, was Alan Irvine. Yeah. Now, when we spoke to Neil Miller, uh, he he spoke quite highly of Alan. Uh, obviously, he, he knew him from his time at Preston as well. I mean, what what was what was your relationship with with Alan? Like? I, I I really well. I've I've can't speak highly enough of him either. I, for me, Alan Irvine wasn't a manager; he's a coach. Yeah, that's what he said. You know, he's. He, he wasn't he wasn't harsh enough with with players, you know. And as, as a manager, you got to be brutal. The players have got to hate you sometimes, and that's part. But you got you got to have broad shoulders and you got to deal with it, you know. But as a coach, I think he's probably I'd say he's in my top three coaches I've worked under as a as a footballer. He, he was unreal. Him, obviously, Rob Kelly is, is another one who's his manager at Barrow at the moment. I still keep in touch with Rob. Um, the way they did things, they were so precise. They, their work ethic was was unreal. They'd all, they'd all be out going and watching games. Um, every time there was a game to be watched, they'd be out watching it. You know, the video analysis side of it, they they, they really bought into. And and the, the hardest thing about it at Sheffield Wednesday, and this is why why I think it didn't quite, there were too many players in that squad that didn't buy into what Alan Irvin was trying to do. You know, because the attention to detail, the, the information that he put across was, was brilliant. But I just don't think he had the players in that dressing room that, that bought into it, that that took on that took on board what got said. So yeah, so would you say then, from what you've said before, you know, the dressing room quite you know needed a bit a bit of a shake up. Alan Irvine's a bit maybe well, I don't want to use the word timid, but you know he's, he's not as uh, not as as strong as perhaps he perhaps needed to be. So do you think the combination of the two just didn't just didn't quite work then? Yeah, probably. As I said, if um, I don't think he quite had the finances to change things around either, which which always helps, you know. But I think if he, if he'd have had the right characters in the dressing room, I think he could have been a successor with, with what he does. Because as I said, his attention to detail was superb. And and if you had, if if players bought into what he what he was doing, then he he could have he could have really done well with the club. From what I've gathered is from what a lot even speaking to yourself, Darren. Right. But what I've gathered is you needed you needed you needed what Irvine had planned. But Gary makes his personality, if that makes sense. Yeah, probably. He needed sort of... I'd go, I'd go, yeah, probably. Or do you know what? If you if you had if you was putting it together, maybe an Alan Irvin as a coach and Dave Jones as manager. Because to be fair to Dave Jones, he had a, he had a probably got rid of one or two of the boys that were in the in the in the dressing room through a little bit of wheeling and dealing, got them out on loan, just got him out, got them out of the club and stuff, and got them got replacements for him. You know, with that recruitment side of he if he had. So if you probably had a a, a difference of or, or, or a combination of Alan Irving and, and his backroom staff and Dave Jones, then I think I think that yeah. there could well have been a, yeah. a possibility of, of building something at Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. You mentioned obviously they didn't have the finances, and obviously that was quite well documented during about that that time. You know, turmoil and what have you. Hence why Milan Mandrich came in yeah. as, a, as a player. Does that does that affect you? Or do you kind of try and block it all out? Or not really? I do. You just you get on with it. I know players always say, "Oh, it's what's going on in the in the boardroom and all that." When you cross that white line, you're playing against eleven other players, and you get on with your job. 
You know, all these players are so oh, I'm what I'm worried about, whether or not I'm gonna get a new contract or anything. That's that's garbage for me. It's a load of rubbish. Just get on with your get on with your job and that's well getting getting out there on a Saturday afternoon and playing for three points and winning the game as best you can. What what the board are doing and what the chairman's doing is irrelevant to what you do on a Saturday afternoon on the pitch. Now, it, what what it does affect is maybe the quality of player that you can put on that pitch on a Saturday afternoon, but it doesn't affect your performance on on how you should approach the game and uh, when you go out there, you know, because you put to bed what's going on. You could have had an argument with your missus or or anything could be going on, you know, but that, that shouldn't affect your performance when you cross that white line. Another player I just want to mention as well, um, mainly for what he did in, in that game against Crystal Palace, where it always sticks in my mind, with Leon Clark. Yeah. Now, he were... It was a bit marmite, I thought, when um, with the, with the fans. Obviously, when when we played Palace, he scored a goal, fair enough, and then he went on to uh, to kick the uh, advertising audience and then broke a bone in his foot, didn't he? Um, what what were your relationship like with Leon Clark? A lot of people have said that he were a bit lazy as well. Me and Clark, you never see eye to eye. I I think he's had a great career, you know what I mean. But we never we never got on particularly. Um, I think my I, I, my professional side of the game, sort of being punctual and all that sort of stuff, probably didn't fit right sit right with Leon Clark. We just we 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 didn't agree a lot, so we'll leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what what was said? You know, when he when he's kicked the advertising though, and he's captain, you must be you must be so annoyed. Like yeah, of course. But he, as I said, he'd probably do that twenty times and nothing happens, you know. And, and I think sometimes you get you get caught up in the emotion of that game. There was so much going on in the game that you you sort of have an out of body experience a little bit. You know, he'd scored the goal. You got thirty eight thousand fans cheering that you, you've just scored, and you get caught up in the emotion. And that he's probably seen the horde in there. I bet if you if you ask Clarkie now or Leo now what why did he do it, he'd say oh, I haven't got a clue. You see, I, I... it's passion. It's passion, isn't it, Mike? That, that, that's why I don't mind it. Patterson, Darren. Patterson has just got for Wednesday. I always keep going back to this, but Patterson came off a game a few weeks ago for Wednesday and he punched the seat because he was frustrated because he didn't score and he's not played well or whatever. And again, he could have broke his fist easy then when he punched that seat, but he didn't. Passion and, and sometimes you do things in the heat of the moment when everything's going on and you do things, you, yeah. you look back on and think, what the hell was I doing there? You know, I, I I did it with um, we just scored a goal at Birmingham and we was t- I think it was two one down and I chased Lewis Barmore up the pitch trying to get the ball back. He went running off with it and there's a picture of me. I got him in a headlock and I'm trying to punch the ball out of his hands. Right, and I got <laughs> off for it. But because we scored and we're chasing the game, if you ask me now, why the hell are you doing that? You're going to get the ball back maybe two seconds earlier than what he's going <laughs> to. What are you doing that for? But in the heat of the moment, you look at him. What an idiot! You know what am I doing that for? And, and on the on the Sunday morning, there's the picture of me. Looks like I'm punching Lewis Balmai's face in. Suarez <laughs> is going out biting people and eat at the moment. He don't learn from it, but he keeps doing it. But you get what you need. You scored two for Wednesday, didn't you? Can you remember your are other you, goal? Are you going to tell me when it is or not? Because I can't remember it. Can you not remember it? No. No, because I've I've got it all. You're going to throw another own goal at me? No, 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 no. <laughs> I've, I've actually no because I, I normally look at it all and get them all up on the internet before but it said you scored two for Wednesday I'm looking at it now because I was there for the Palace one but I can't find the other one and it's annoying me so I wondered if you knew it before I found it yeah I can't, I can't remember 
I can't remember. I, just, I, I think it might. Oh, I've got it here. Away. It went overhead kick. <laughs> Listen, I remember, I remember doing. I remember missing a couple of games doing an overhead kick in training and pulling my hamstring. <laughs> about doing things fair at the moment. I did that at Sheffield Wednesday. I was out for a couple of weeks with that, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't. Just one, one other thing uh, I want to mention. So what, again, when I've been, you know, when you when you bring, you know, look at all the pictures and stuff, the strapping on your on your left wrist that you that you always wore. Now, yeah. was that was that just um, superstitious or was it? I think so. It wasn't superstitious. It was. Um, I, I obviously I'm married again. Obviously, I got divorced when I finished playing. But I always, I, 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 my wedding ring is probably the most trusted or, or the, the most sentimental thing I have, you know, and I hold it quite dear. Obviously, my, my wife, now, she's amazing. I love her to bits. And it, I've always had a thing, and my nan told it to me, that she, she was married to my granddad for like 50 years, 55 years before he passed away, and she'd never taken her wedding ring off. And that's something I've never, I've never done. And when the new rule came around that you had to take your wedding ring off, I didn't want to do it. So what I used to oh. take my wedding ring off and I used to strap it to my wrist. So obviously, yes, it was off me, but my wedding ring has never left me. Do you know what I mean? It's always been. Oh, really? So that, that was what it was for, yeah. So I, 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 I mean, thought it was to do with the fact because you, you, you broke your wrist, didn't you? I broke um, the wrist they... for, 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 well, in training for Birmingham, yeah. We, had, we yeah, to, I, th- I always thought it. it was, I th- always thought it, it were connected to that. There's a little Trevor Francis. Obviously, I remember what I, I remember. My, one of my first memories of football was watching Millwall Sheffield Wednesday, and Trevor Francis was playing for Sheffield Wednesday, and I remember him coming out and doing this big long walk. It was one of my first memories of football. But um, yeah, so Trevor Francis at Birmingham. He, we used to have a little thing. We used to hate him scoring goals. You know, we used to hate him sort of doing anything. So he had a shot and I sort of, I dived and tipped it around the post and I, ended up, I broke my wrist doing it. But we used to, we used to hate, because he was such a good player, even at 45, 50 when he was manager, he was unreal. What a player, you know? So yeah. the, the, we used to hate him doing well. We used to kick him in training and everything. But it was, <laughs> I, I was out for six weeks breaking my wrist through that. But it wasn't because of that. I just, yeah, I was, um, it was, it was my wedding ring that I used to put on my wrist. Yeah. First one, then. What's your most memorable goal? Not just at Wednesday through your career. What would you say is your most memorable? That's that's from Darren Darren Potts. Uh, I think. Listen, I think it's probably scoring in a cup final. You know, scoring against Liverpool in the World Cup final. Um, penalty last. Oh yeah. I think. I think everybody everybody dreams of scoring in the cup final, and I've been lucky enough to do it. So that'd be me, 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 me best goal. I think. Yeah, I'll just read that one now from um, Andy on, on Twitter as well. So Andy said, how did you feel when Brian Laws brought you in to sort out the defence uh, and then make you captain straight away? Was, was that too much pressure straight away? Or? It wasn't too much pressure for me because I'd, I'd captained every club that I'd played for you pretty much, you know. So it, for me, it wasn't pressure. I'd, as I said, hindsight, I would have I done things a little bit differently. You know, I'd have kicked up a few trees and, and rusted the, the nest a little bit. So... Yeah, I, I wish I'd done that from from that point of view. But no, it wasn't it wasn't too much for me. And um, yeah, just disappointed how it all panned out over the, uh, in that first season, really. Yeah. And Anthony O'Keefe said you obviously played for a club at the difficult uh, difficult time. So can you ask him how big how big a role the crowd played in lifting the team, or how difficult it was when they got on your backs? I, I think when you got a few youngsters, and I look back at sort of Mark Beavers and Tommy Spur and the youngsters in the side. I think mean, sometimes they're uh, they can feel the pressure 
you can feel the, the yeah. building and sometimes it can probably it can have an effect uh, a negative effect on 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 the players at times but yeah i, I don't think you can fault the the, the passion at, at sheffield wednesday with the fans there they want the club to do well you know and you, you feel that every game and to be fair most of the time even when you're away behind in games they got behind you you know especially shooting down towards the cop you know it, it was it, yeah. it, it it was brilliant to 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 be part of that and the fans are always the biggest part of any football club and, and, and they're a huge part of Sheffield Wednesday. Chris Chris Madrick, he said, away from home, God's honest opinion in brackets, are the Wednesday fans the best away from home you've played under? Um, I was, They're up there. I, I, I hate saying that fans are the best or anything. But I, Sheffield Wednesday would take sort of three, four thousand fans away from home. You know, I remember going, to, going down to Dagenham and Redbridge and places like that in the first division and they'd have more fans than the, the home fans yeah. you know it's yeah. madness but then obviously I look at obviously Plymouth and they'd take a thousand fans from Plymouth to like Hartlepool or Plymouth to Hull yeah. you know so things like that and, and Cardiff wherever they'd go in the country they'd go sort of 2,000 handed to, to Hull and Middlesbrough and places like that so I don't think you can ever say a group of fans are the best I think I just think every club, and I've been lucky enough to play for some good ones. Every club has just got a real set of passionate fans in their own way, you know. And and Sheffield was no different numbers wise. For definite, Sheffield Wednesday was up there. I like this question here. This is from this is from Tonya. She's a, a regular listener podcast. Tonya says, even though it wasn't the best eighteen months you had at Wednesday, would you would you ever consider a coaching role at Wednesday if it were offered? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Whether or not whether or not that, but as I said, I'm good, I'm good pals with Mora. I think he's, uh, yeah, I, I've got a lot of time for him. I've got a lot of respect for him. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Whether or not that's in the academy, whether or not that's as a, uh, in the first thing. I'd, I'd I'd love an opportunity to play to to be part of any coaching setup, um, at any of my clubs. You know, it's um, I, I I'd hope to come and and maybe manage the club at some stage in the future and. And put wrong. Oh, sorry. Put right a few of the wrongs that went on while I was a player. That would be brilliant, fantastic. If 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 that would happen, that I could go and get a promotion with Sheffield Wednesday. But it sort of put right the, the relegation as a player. So yeah, if it, if that's something that could happen in the future, then I'd be bang up for that. Thank you for taking time to to speak to us. We do really appreciate. It. Obviously, it's been brilliant, and I'm sure listeners will will agree as well. I've, I've certainly enjoyed uh, speaking I have. to you. Um, obviously, if you have been listening to it and have enjoyed it, then please leave us a rating or a review. I said we really do appreciate that. So, uh, so yeah, thank you, Darren. Thanks for your time, Jim. Much appreciated.